dad, if you're listening to this, I know you're on the first day of your 31st day cruise through Northern Europe. That's about as good a gift, I guess, as you can give yourself for Father's Day. So you're not getting anything from me, but I love you. Seriously, this is a great day, and we do have some uh, wonderful things for us uh, after our service. Uh, So you want to make sure that you don't fill up on coffee too much. We'll have that ready for you. But uh, I'm excited to be with you. Last week was such a great week at the baptism. I'm looking at Billy, and I'm thinking of Emily, and and, uh, Dawson, and Maddie, and Braden, and it was just uh, Richard. It was such a beautiful time to uh, say not only to yourself, but to uh, the rest of our community and everybody vacationing at Deep Creek, that we are God's beloved. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And so how that uh, correlates with how we love ourselves. And so uh, if you'll just join me in a reading of a passage uh, that goes with today, and uh, we'll have prayer and then we'll get right into it. This is from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 21. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ accordingly to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, service in our own serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly and sisterly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. But leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Father, we thank you that you have uh, displayed such wonderful characteristics to us. That you are love, and that in loving us, you embrace us as your beloved. And you teach us to mirror and model for this world what it is to be your chosen, to be your beloved, to be fashioned and formed in your image, 
and so to display these characteristics. I ask today that as we continue in this beautiful series of moving in the Spirit, that you give us some wisdom, some insight, that you challenge us, that you invite us into living a life that is not only loving you, but loving others, and indeed, loving ourselves. So we thank you for this uh, gorgeous day. And uh, we lift up ourselves to you as an act of sacrifice, that we may live our lives in the way that you would have us to. You're a good God, and we're certainly grateful for that. And in the sweet name, and the strong name of Jesus, the Son of God, we say, Amen. So be it. So again, as I said before, I'm excited about the topic today. As you know, we're continuing our journey through the Bible with Brian McLaren's book, We Make the Road by Walking as Our Trusty Guide. And today we are exploring what it means to move in the Spirit by loving ourselves. But before we turn our attention to today's particular point, let's have a little context, shall we? About a month ago, on Pentecost Sunday, we began concentrating on what it means to have the Holy Spirit active in our lives and how we might move with God's spirit of creation and renewal and healing and unity. We realized that, as McLaren says, the wind can be blowing, but if your sail isn't raised, you won't go far. And that it's The same with the Spirit. We're surrounded with aliveness of the Spirit. All that remains is for us to learn how to let that Spirit fill, flow, and glow within us. We learn that if you want to gain practice walking the Spirit or abiding in Christ or tending that inner flame, that you can start this morning or tomorrow morning when you wake up. Before your feet hit the floor, McLaren says, open your heart to the Spirit. Ask God to help you walk in the Spirit, step by step through the day. Ask God to help you abide in the vine that is God, so good fruit will naturally develop in your life. Ask God to keep that fire burning within you. And just starting the day this way will make a huge difference. As you build the habit of yielding yourself to the Spirit morning by morning, you can build the habit of checking in with the Spirit hour by hour, moment by moment throughout the day. Each mealtime, you can use that as a trigger to offer a prayer of thanksgiving and reconnect with the Spirit. As you travel from place to place in the car or in walking, Uh, As you wait for someone in the line at a grocery store, whenever you have a free moment, you can offer yourself to God by saying, here I am, Lord. Please move in me and through me to bless others. Whenever an emergency or challenge arises, you can lean on the Spirit. Give me wisdom, Spirit of God. Give me strength. Give me patience, right, fathers, when we're pushing those buttons? When you sense that you've let something other than God's Spirit fill you and direct you, whether that's anger or it's fear or prejudice, lust, greed, anxiety, pain, pride, inferiority, or rivalry, for example, you can stop. You can acknowledge your misstep and re-surrender to the Spirit. It's like breathing, exhaling an acknowledgement of your misstep 
and inhaling forgiveness and strength to start walking in the Spirit again. And at the end of the day, you can look back with gratitude, resting in the Spirit until a new day begins, and you continue walking that journey, that path of new aliveness that Jesus offers us. Not only did we kind of look at what it means to be moving in the Spirit, but we realized that when we're moving in the Spirit, that we are, in effect, loving God, loving self, and loving others. You see, wherever God's Spirit is at work in the world, people are drawn more deeply to love, beginning with loving God. We learned that by... Doing this, for many of us, in order to move with the Spirit, we had some business in rehabilitating ourselves when it comes to the very Word of God. Listen to how McLaren described what the Word God has meant for so many of us. Maybe this is your thoughts or the thoughts of someone in your family or friends expressed to you. How can they love a God who is an angry old white man with a beard? Oppressing women and minorities, promoting discrimination and war, and blessing the destruction of the planet. How can they love the curator of a religious museum who seemed to have a taste for all that is outdated, archaic, dour, and dusty? How can they love the host of an unending religious broadcast where everyone is always artificially smiling and excessively unrealistically happy? Desperate for you to send in your next generous financial contribution. I like to call that uh, sweet and low spirituality. It's real sweet. There's a lot of this in the south in our churches. It's real sweet on the front end, but it gives you brain cancer on the back end. How can they love a testy border guard who won't let new arrivals through heaven's passport control office unless they correctly answer a lot of technical doctrinal questions with a score of 100%? Hot-headed religious extremists, lukewarm religious bureaucrats, and cold-hearted religious critics alike have turned the word God into a name for something ugly, small, boring, elitist, wacky, corrupt, or violent. The very opposite of what it should mean. No doubt, if that's the type of God that you've been raised to view, no wonder that we need to get past that before we can actually love God. And even for those of us who've always believed in God's existence and have never had any big problems with the word God, when it comes to actually loving God, we can feel a little intimidated. We don't know where to begin McLaren gives us some insight into this, though. He says, but really, it's, it's not that different from loving another human being. When we learn to love God, we appreciate God's qualities. We honor and respect God's dignity. We enjoy God's presence and are curious to know more and more of God's heart. We support God's dreams coming true, and we want to be appreciated, honored, uh, enjoyed, known, and supported as well. To surrender ourselves to God and mutuality. But it all begins with a simple step of moving towards God. A word that we might give ourselves or a phrase to kind of uh, signify this is uh, simple as saying, God, here I am. Or 
God, here you are. Or even better, God, here we are together. So the first step is taking that, that, that appreciation and just, or, or that acknowledgement that God is here and we're together. The second is this step of appreciation. Just a simple thanks. Thanks for being here with us in the midst of all of our joy, in the midst of all of our pain, in the midst of all the craziness that life has to throw at us. Brian McLaren elsewhere has said this. I love this phrase. He says, what are you going to do with all the fecality that life slings at you between diapers and depends? Are you going to see it as just so much crap or are you going to see it as fertilizer to your soul? Thanks, God, for just being with me in all of this. The third step is to cultivate honor and respect for God. Not just gratitude for what God does for us or gives us, but respect for God's dignity, God's honor, God's character. That's why we come together Sundays to start our week out together, to display, to sing, to play, to to preach, to give, to talk, to fellowship. To say, God, you really are the center of our lives. And then a fourth step comes in. Learning to say that we're sorry. Lord, have mercy. To know that to love God is to be about God's business and to be about God's plan, but that we also let God down from time to time. And to understand that God's not surprised by that. God's never surprised by our brokenness or our sin. We might be. Others might be, but God's not. It's important to note at this point, in this juncture, talking about this, that when we understand we're loving God and that God is loving us, that this mutual thing is happening, that there's nothing we can do to remove ourselves from God's love. Now, we can reject God's love. We, in our shame and guilt, can reject the idea that God loves us and is generous towards us and is not surprised. We can move back into this tit and tat kind of thing where we earn and control our salvation or the grace that's allotted to us. But that's not biblical. That's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus the Christ says that you are my beloved. In your brokenness and your sin, you hurt yourself. But you never disqualify yourself from my love. And that's important to note. And we open ourselves to God. When we're in those times of need by saying we're sorry. We open ourselves to God. When we find ourselves facing challenges and troubles. And we want to trust God. And we want God to accompany us, support us, befriend us in all those ways. And we trust God, just as we trust those dearest and most intimate uh, intimate with us to share with them our deepest fears and doubts and emptiness and disillusionment, so we love God when we share those vulnerable aspects of ourselves with God. Moving from just loving God, we understand that where the Spirit is moving, love for God always, always overflows in love for our neighbor. And according to Jesus, our neighbor just isn't the person who's like us. 
the person who likes us or the person we like. Our neighbor is anyone and everyone like us or different from us, friend or stranger, even enemy. And so there must be a better way. And we talk about this here at the Grove all the time. And you may say, I got that check. But we're going to keep saying it over and over that there's got to be a better mentality than the us versus them or us and them mentality. There has to be a better way to understand that we're all in this together and that we're all God's beloved. It means that in all of our human groups, whether it's nations, religions, cultures, parties, that we need to convert from what we might call dirty energy to clean energy to fuel our lives. Through the dirty energy of our fear and prejudice, supremacy, inferiority, resentment, isolation, and hostility is cheap, it's abundant, and it's familiar. And that's why our societies run on it, even though it's destroying us. More than ever before in our history, we need a new kind of personal and social fuel. Not fear, but love. Not prejudice, but openness. Not supremacy, but service. Not inferiority, but equality. Not resentment, but reconciliation. Not isolation, but connection. And not the spirit of hostility, but the Holy Spirit of hospitality. We have to not only love God, but in loving God, we always overflow into loving others. When Jesus was propositioned, when he was asked, what is the greatest of all these commandments? And Remember, when Jesus is asked this, there's hundreds and hundreds of commandments that the Jewish people were living according to. And so he gets asked this question, hey, what, what's the big deal? Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, every piece of yourself. And love your neighbor as yourself. I tell the teens often, it's kind of hard to hug God. Just, how do you do do that? But if we're created and fashioned and formed in the image of God, when I hug Michael, in a very true sense, I'm hugging the image of God. When we look up at the sky and say, where are you, God? And we ignore the fact that we're surrounded by God's people demonstrating love and mercy and kindness to us. And we want to keep our gaze somewhere out into space and say, where are you? And we disavow those who are very flesh and blood embodying God to us. We're missing the point. So we love God and we love Others, which brings us to our thought for today. If love for God is always linked with love for others, and if we are to love others as we love ourselves, what then does it mean to love ourselves? Is it possible? Could the Spirit of God teach us a holy and healthy kind of self-love? I think so. See, the Spirit teaches us a profoundly different way of loving ourselves, a way of maturity that involves self-examination. It's important for us to be aware. 
Awareness is like the gateway of all virtues. If you want to grow, if you want to become more like Christ, if you want to grow into your God-envisioned self, the true self you were destined to be, the first thing you have to do is be aware. There's a song that my grandfather, grandmother, somebody in my hazy childhood memories used to sing to me. And I never understood it, but it was, there's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. There's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza Jane. That's all I remember of it. (laughs) But it's kind of this deal, right? If we want to become who we need to be, the first thing we have to understand is where is the hole in our bucket? We may talk about this if I have time. I doubt it. But there's a lot of us who want to love God and we want to love others, but we do a really poor job of loving ourselves. And part of why we do a bad job of loving ourselves is we think if we just love God more, if we'll just pray more, if we'll just fast more, if we'll just... Read the scriptures and study them more. If we'll go to church more, if we'll serve more, if, God forbid, we serve in the children's ministry more or in the youth ministry more or all of these things, then we'll be fine. But there are very real holes in who we are that have never been addressed. And all of that movement of the Spirit, it's there, but it in some ways, gets drained out. Uh, I've said this before, but, you know, my mom, if you're new to this, I I grew up in a very loving and Christian household, but I grew up with parents who were scarred by their childhood. My mom especially dealt with a lot of mental illness from the way her father treated her. Father's Day was a horrible day for her for so many reasons, but she realized that she couldn't, just grow into who she needed to be by just practicing these spiritual disciplines more, but she had to confront the abuses that scarred her emotional life at an early age. And once she was able to start becoming aware of how those things affected her, then she could apply God's grace and spirit to fill that hole. There's some of you here today You love God. That's not in doubt. But you're not who you want to be because you haven't yet come to grips with the brokenness that you endured at some point. When we do counseling, whether it's Jeff or Jody or me or whoever it is in a pastoral setting, I don't care if you're 75 or if you're 25 or whatever. Most of the issues that we deal with are residue or after effects of what happened in your pre-adolescent or adolescent years that never got healed or addressed. So we've got to figure out how to become aware and for self-examination to take place. Not only is it self-examination, but it's self-control. It's self-development and it's self-giving. You see, these practices of mutual self-care enable us to love God and others more fully and more joyfully. Now, McLaren goes into our chapter today to talk about this dichotomy that oftentimes our struggles with loving ourselves have to deal with the way in which we view pleasure. 
he says that oftentimes when we think of God, we think of God as this kind of killjoy. It's God who doesn't want us to enjoy too much pleasure. That we need to be dour and we need to be uh, ascetic and we need to be uh, very rigid and self-disciplined. And while some of those things are true, we need to understand that as human beings, we were created to be pleasure-seeking entities. And that when people say to us, that God is a divine killjoy sitting in heaven with a sourpuss glare, eyes roaming to and fro across the earth to find anyone who's having fun, especially sexual fun. <laughs> Stop it immediately is what God wants to do. If, if we look at those people, if we see through their eyes, if the pleasures of life were compared to the awe of looking into the Grand Canyon, these anxious people worry so much about someone falling over the edge that they erect fences farther and farther back. So far, in fact, that we can no longer see the beauty and majesty of God's creation. But we know this when we read our scriptures. We know this, that pleasure was the goal of our, very, uh, of our creator from the very beginning. Over and over and over, taste and see that the Lord is good. Enjoy this, enjoy that. Celebrate with one another over and over. Pleasure is what God intends for us. God gave us these five senses. I'm watching a Netflix uh, show called Ainsley Eats the Streets. Anybody? Okay. <laughs> Ainsley is this uh, British chef who travels the world in different cities across the planet eating street food and then going into these people's kitchens and eating. And I sit there and I, I watch this and I salivate and... I think about how much I love food. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> how that's a great and beautiful thing. I think about the first time that I gazed into my wife's brown eyes. First time I tasted her lips. These are good things. God made this and it was good, right? When I drive to Walgreens every day, coming from 20 years in Florida, when I drive to Walgreens and I look up and I see the mountains... I think God is good. I go to Deep Creek and I get in some shade and it feels 20 degrees cooler. I hear that creek. And I feel that wind. God is a God who delights in pleasure, who wants us to feel and to know pleasure. So the question that we're asked with this is, if this is the case, if God wants us to enjoy pleasure, then why do we find so many warnings and rules about pleasure in the Bible? Well, those rules make sense when you realize how easily all life's greatest pleasures, food, Drink, sex, owning, winning, resting, playing, working can become addictive and destructive. You see, when we indulge in pleasures without self-examination or self-control, great pleasure can lead us to great pain. For the addicts themselves and for those whose lives are touched by their addiction. And without wise rules and that basic level of self-control to follow them, we'll all be stuck in childish 
and selfish and self-destructive and even suicidal infancy and immaturity. Really quickly, I'm just going to side here. There's a difference, a great difference between being childlike and childish. God wants us to be childlike. There's a G.K. Chesterton quote that I wish I knew by heart, and I usually have it queued up, um, but I didn't think about it until right now, that basically says that God has the eternal appetite of infancy. It says, perhaps God never tires of doing the same thing over and over again. We as adults get worn out by kids who say, do it again, do it again, do it again. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times when I lived with the Helpmans that I would lift Roby up and I'd say, no, before I lift you, Roby, this is the last time. I'm tired. And I said, are, are you, you understand? We're good. I'm going to lift you this last time, right? Lift her up. What's the first thing she says? Do it again. <laughs> Oh, and I do it again, and I pay for it the next day. But this quote by Chesterton says, Maybe God says to the sun every day, rise again, and to the moon, rise again, and all these things. And maybe God has never lost the appetite for making each daisy anew and alike. And he ends this quote with, But we in our sin have grown older than our father." And maybe that's what we need to realize and recognize when we're talking about pleasure as well. It's good to be childlike, to delight in these things. If those mountains get old to you, go to Florida for a couple of years and come back. I promise it'll be good again. Maybe you haven't stared into your significant other's eyes for a while. When's the last time that you just shut out the world? just looked into each other's eyes. When's the last time you enjoyed a tasty piece of fudge for the first time again? Maybe it's that we need to be childlike, but not childish, where it's ego-driven and all about us and, and immature. So we need to figure out how to do that as well. So, we understand that those rules that the Bible gives us have a place. That without wise rules and that basic level of self-control to follow them will all be stuck in childish, selfish, self-destructive, and even suicidal immaturity. But the cool part about this is in living in the Spirit, the Spirit never gives rules the final word. Living by rules or what we call law or Torah or pointed instructions in the Bible, is at most like a primary school. Primary school has its place, but if we're never allowed to graduate to secondary school, it feels like a prison. So when we're ready, the Spirit always leads us to graduate from rule-oriented primary school to secondary school with its new emphasis, and that is wisdom. 
From basic questions like, is this right or wrong, legal or illegal, we graduate to questions of wisdom. Would this help me? Will this help me or hinder me in reaching my highest goals? Where will this lead, short, medium, and long term? What unintended consequences might it entail? Who might be hurt by this? Are there better alternatives? Is now the best time? Should I seek wise counsel before moving forward? You see, wisdom guides us to see beyond life's immediate pleasures to potential consequences that are less obvious and less pleasant. Wisdom also shows us how excessively denying ourselves pleasure can itself become unwise. I had a friend who used to say to me, moderation in everything, even in moderation. Uh, Jeff and Jody and I had uh, a professor, a boss, a mentor, if you will, Dr. Michael Rakes. He likes it when we say his name on tape. Um, But Mike had a lot of wisdom, and I wouldn't be who I am today uh, without his impact on my life. But he used to talk about this theory of dynamic balance. I don't know if you guys remember this. But he'd say what we often think of in our society and culture is that balance... If you imagine our lives as a pendulum on like a clock, its balance is uh, keeping that pendulum here. This is balance. Never getting too high, never getting too low. The problem with that is that's not how we're created to be. That's an automaton. That's a machine. That's an assembly line. Instead, what we need to realize is how to keep true balance is to swing to huge and extended periods of productivity and work and rigor. But then we have to swing all the way back to extended periods of time of rest, recreation, recreation, and joy. See, what we typically do is we're keeping it right here in the middle and then we have an extended period of work that we have to do for whatever reason or productivity. And then we swing back right here to the middle again. The wisest people I know know how to work really hard and they know how to play really hard. It's built into our seasons. It's built into our calendar. It's built into how it works with God and who we are is that we have to do both of those things. And so if we deny ourselves too much pleasure, then we're short-circuiting our ability to be recreated and be the people that we've been made to be. Let's put it this way. If, if you can't figure out how to stop working sometime and rest with your family, and play with your kids, dads, your kids are going to grow up without the ability to be refreshed. They're going to feel like it's never enough. I can never do enough. I can never please. I can never do these things. And that to live a life of joy is something that's not intended for me. You've got to figure out how to do that. See, a wise person in this way practices self-care. Sometimes stepping on the brakes and sometimes stepping on the accelerator of pleasure. We all need wisdom to know our limits and keep our balance to know when to say yes and when to say that's enough or that's unwise or this isn't the right time. We need wisdom to know when to ask for help, 
from a friend or a professional. When we're in over our heads, we need wisdom to monitor the difference between legitimate desires and dangerous temptations. And we even need wisdom to keep different kinds of pleasures in a healthy and sustainable and dynamic balance. As a wise teacher once said, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. I'd be the author of Proverbs. After all, we need to understand this. Nobody is more likely to ruin your life than you. By pursuing wisdom, you get out of your own way. You learn to be a friend to yourself instead of your own worst enemy. You learn self-examination, self-care, self-control, self-development. So you can better practice true self-giving love towards God and others. McLaren ends the chapter this way. He says, rules are good. Wisdom is better. And love is the best of. Our invitation, our challenge today is this. If we want to move in accordance with the Spirit. If we want to be able to set our sails so this wind that's present can sweep us into this adventure of life down the path of new aliveness. Then we have to dedicate ourselves to love. We love God. We love God in all those ways we talked about today by by saying we're here together. By showing our appreciation. By honoring and giving uh, praise and worth ship to God for who God is, not just what God's done for us. And by letting God into our weakness, by being quick to say, I'm sorry, forgive me, and to realize that when we share our vulnerable aspects of our life with God, that God is there with us, not to condemn us, but to restore and redeem us. Uh, we, we know that if we're going to move in the spirit, that not only do we love God, but wherever we love God, we're attracted to an overflowing of loving others. And that those others is everyone around us. We've got to figure out a way to get beyond us and them and instead see us. To realize that we're all a part of this thing together. To see the image of God in every other creature that you come into contact with. And not only that, but we've got to figure out if we're to love others as ourselves, then we really have to love ourselves. That we're not to be childish, but we're to be childlike in the fact that we delight in who we are. I have a, uh, I have a tendency to be around other people's kids when they're in really weird moments, and I'll never forget um, being at a camp with my wife and another youth leader and their little girl who was about four. And we're, it was an embarrassing, embarrassing moment for me, especially now that she's in her late 20s. But we're sitting there, and she runs into the room. She's four years old. She's fully naked. Uh, and she's spinning around like a ballerina, say, look, I'm a naked ballerina. I'm a naked ballerina. <laughs> what I got from that, was that this was a young child who had yet not been tainted to see themselves in any way other than to enjoy themselves for the image of God that they've been created. What I want to say to you today is, 
through wisdom, and more importantly, through love, you too can be a naked ballerina. <laughs> love yourself. Understand that you're God's beloved. Work towards how to be wise, but even beyond wisdom, live a life predicated upon love. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the joy and the peace that you give us. We thank you for all of the ways that you have showered your love upon us as a beautiful, loving, compassionate, powerful, present Heavenly Father, that we want to be your children. We want to be able to love ourselves with full abandonment and to see ourselves the way that you see us. We pray for wisdom to know how to love ourselves in this idea of pleasure, how to embrace it and to live it out in all the ways that will activate us into being our true God-envisioned selves. Help us to really feel your arms of acceptance around us today. For those in here today who had a rough upbringing, who maybe their father wasn't living in the way that you love us, help us to feel your embrace and your warmth around us more than anything else. Let us understand what it is to be fully alive, moving in the Spirit. You're a dang good God, and we love you, and we're thankful for it. Help us to be your hands and feet to this world, and help us to not only love, but to receive your love. In the sweet, strong name of the Son of God, Jesus the Christ, say amen. Help me thank Matt. <laughs> I was... So... Uh... We're going to close um, with our giving moment today and a, a few things I want to say to our fathers. But first, have you noticed anything different about today's service? Anyone shot? Wouldn't would, would notice different. I don't have shoes on, but that's not totally different. There's something that hasn't happened in 12 years of me being here. What'd you say? Well, there's still worship, but we don't have any, we didn't have a band today, right? Did you notice that? First time in 12 years, uh, we haven't had a band. And not that we don't uh, have some of our musicians available. We just didn't have some of our, um, our leaders, some of our strong uh, instruments available. So um, today we, didn't, we did something a little bit different. And Liz will be back next week uh, with, uh, with the rest of the band. Um, I wore my Grove Band shirt just in hopes that uh, they would bring them back together. Uh, we'll get the band back together next week. Uh, it's a one and only shirt, so, you, but I'm, so I'm the only one with it. But, uh, yeah, we didn't have a, a band. Um, and so maybe that's something that can be spoke to your heart. Maybe you're a closet guitar player or a piano player and you just haven't told us yet. Um, and you want to be a part of it. That's how we got Tammy to, to join. She uh, is a very talented, multi-talented uh, uh, individual. And so she's been a part of the band. So, but we're looking for uh, to, to grow our band and things like that. And so how that kind of ties into our giving is that we, when we do this, when we're a part of this place, we, we are able to serve in so many ways. And so some of you serve in our kids' Um, area. We need more of that. Some of you are able to invest in and really push through, and that's how we are uh, scheduled to get our next uh, set of ACs fixed and, and be a part of that, because some people are just able to do that. And to much uh, to those that are, are much is given, much is, is, is required of us, and so we all are able to do our part. And so um, 
uh, our prayer for that, for our giving is that, you know, not just within our times that we serve, but in our, our money, but just as a community, how we give back and see lives change. And if you were part of our baptism service last week, you saw that. You saw the lives of some that have been transformed, who have come to an awareness that they are the beloved sons and daughters of God. And that's why we do what we do. And so thank you for all those that do your part, that serve and give and invest and um, uh, share your story and share the gospel. And that's how uh, lives are changed. And so what I want to do here is I, I want to show you a couple videos. These are, uh, it's a video of a friend of ours named Matt um, and his wife, Sarah. And they, uh, uh, we've known them for a long time. We grew up with them back in um, Toledo, Ohio, where we grew up. And they were a part of our, our youth group. They led worship where Jody and I were youth leaders for a time. And uh, Matt and his band um, uh, led worship for us. And so we got to know them, grew up with them. Sarah went to school with uh, Jody. And so became friends from our, uh, um, once they were married. And we just, we became friends. And we've grown apart for a long time. But there was uh, a long time where we did, we did hang out. And, and Matt wrote a song uh, called Lead Me. And this is a song um, that talks about being a father, talks about being a husband, just, but also just talks about being a leader no matter where you are, whether it's uh, serving, um, either it's a, a teacher or a coach, um, again, a father, a mother, um, but an opportunity to lead. And so Matt wrote this song. Um, it's different from the song that he wrote Jody one summer when they were just friends. Um, this is a totally different song that he wrote. Um, and so <laughs> that's another story. Um, but uh, anyways, Matt wrote the song, and he's going to share a little bit about uh, how, uh, why, why he wrote the song. And then we're going to let you listen to the song, and then we're going to uh, take our giving up, and then I have a, a few last announcements. So listen to this interview, and then we'll, we'll play the song for you. Hey, I'm Matt from Sanctus Real, and this is the story behind the song, Lead Me. Lead Me is a song that I wrote for my wife and my kids. My wife and I have been married for nine years, been best friends for almost 11 now. We have two beautiful little girls, and we actually have our third uh, baby, a little boy on the way who's due in September. God's blessed us with a, a great marriage, but we're also very open about um, some of the conflict and some of the struggle that we've had in our marriage. I love my husband. We have a great relationship, but it's been hard at times. And the hard part has been resolving conflict. A couple years ago, it just got to a, a point where it felt like the wall between us was just growing so big. And I remember I'd come home off the road and I'd just be totally worn out. I needed Matthew to come home and be strong for us and just be the rock and the leader that we all needed in our home. Resolving conflict peacefully and quickly has been our main struggle my kids were being affected by it. I realized in those moments, we've gotta, we've gotta step it up and figure this out for real and not just say we're gonna figure it out and do nothing about it. We need to figure it out and fix it. It's so painful to feel so distant from the person that you wanna be so close to in this life, the person who you love the most. We got to a place where we had to make a decision. Either we work on the marriage or you know, some people might take the path of divorce, which was not an option for us. We decided that we were going to fight for our marriage. I hadn't been a great spiritual leader to my family. I felt at times I was weak and I needed him to be the strength in our home. I hadn't really listened to her heart the way that I should have. It was time for me to change. I went before the Lord and I just said, God, you know what, if I'm going to lead my family, then I need you to lead me. And wrote the guts of the song, Lead Me. 
as the cry of a wife to be loved by her husband, the cry of kids to be loved by their dad, and then the prayer of, of a daddy and a husband to be loved by God and the most important and most difficult task of building my home on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. Looking back, I think we've really worked on our relationship and it's come a long way and I'm proud of us. I think the challenge for me in the song and hopefully for other men as well is every time I hear it, every time I sing it, I have to ask myself, what kind of man am I? Not yesterday, not tomorrow, what kind of man am I today? Have I invested in my family emotionally and spiritually the way that God's called me to reach out to them and to lead them?
So when Matt wrote the lyrics that said, give me strength to be everything we're called to be. Show me the way to lead them. Lead me to lead them with strong hands. Stand up when they can't. and Don't leave them hungry for love for things that I can give up. And so Matt ultimately ended up walking away from his band, um, giving up that and to, to go home to be with his family um, and to lead them. And so uh, the challenge for us, for fathers, for mothers, for, for coaches and teachers and uh, businessmen and women to lead is, is to pray that prayer, to ask God, what are some things that I, I could give up on that pendulum that swings? How do I let it swing the other way? How do I let go of this, this demands of my job and the demands of what I feel are important? What are the things that I can give up to come back to, to lead your homes, your, 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 your spouse, your children, um, the people in the community? Um, we're called, in the first song that we, we listened to this morning, um, said, we lay down our lives for heaven's call. And that call is to love God and to love others. And that's what we are called as a church to do that, to be that. It starts when loving ourselves, we're able to love God, to love others um, as a community and as individuals. And so um, we do that by serving, by giving, by being with each other. Um, and so that's our prayer uh, today. If I can have four people come up, help me with the baskets, I'm going to pray. And then we'll we'll pass the baskets and then we'll... We'll close there. Join me, God. This morning we uh, have been challenged to, to self-examine, to look what it means to, to fall in love with, with self, to become aware that we are created in the Imago Dei, the image of God. May we live that. May we begin to let go of some things that uh, keep us from loving ourselves to enjoy creation, to, en- to enjoy pleasure. God, use us as a community to then love others, to stand and fight for those who can't, to live this gospel message, to be your people. God, use us in every way you can, through our giving, through our serving, our sacrifice, through our relationships in this community. In your name we pray, amen. All right, uh, like Jody uh, mentioned, a couple things. Um, uh, one is, if you're a family member here of the Grove, don't forget to before you leave today to swing by the basement, cast your vote for the elder team. It's uh, just a vote of confidence for the the, the, the elders. We, um, as a as a current team, are moving forward with those that were the five that were nominated, and so we are um, uh, looking forward to that team um, uh, growing. And, and so, with your vote of confidence as a family member. You'll fill that out. You'll turn it in. If um, you know a member that wasn't here today, Monday through Wednesday, have a chance to come to the office and uh, vote through an absentee ballot. Um, but the vote uh, is for in the basement today for those that are family members. And then on the way out, um, we have a special gift for you guys. For for uh, um, uh, Last week was water baptisms. And so, uh, to be completely honest, those uh, services um, are hard. We don't, we the way we, we fund this this 
place, this community, is through your giving. And that sometimes that doesn't happen when we do special services, but we take the risk of going down to Deep Creek and having fun and celebrating life. And, and so, uh, and we put the baskets out there, but we, we, we don't get a lot. And so um, we're struggling this last week to get to this week, and we're hoping that some of you remembered and you doubled down um, in that basket just now. If not, we'll let you, we'll pass them again um, so you can. Um, but uh, to say that we were like, hey, we're a week from Father's Day. What, what can we do for, for Father's Day? We like to always give gifts. Like when we do Mother's Day and we do big service, we like to give something. And we're like, we just don't have the budget for it. And I got a call on Monday from a, a, a local restaurant that said, we got 27 racks of ribs that we'd like to give away to someone. Do you know anyone that could use some ribs? Yes, I do. Uh, and so out on the front porch, we have been smoking since this morning at 5 27 racks of ribs uh, for you guys to have on your way out. And so um, in the creation story, one was taken from us, and now we're giving back to all of you um, those ribs. And so um, they'll come to you. Uh, um, and so on your way out, grab some ribs or some sauce uh, and, and just for you to enjoy and, and, and for the day. Um, we were going to try to do something for vegans, but it's Father's Day, not Mother's Day. So um, those ribs are for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for uh, being uh, great uh, moms and dads and people as you go today. Love God, love others, and we'll see you next week.